The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Well, Duncan left us with a challenge at the end of our message last week. A challenge to be praying for ourselves in line with what Paul's prayer was in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And a challenge to pray for others, our church family, in that same way. I wonder, how did you go with that? Did you, did you find a different reality? Did you find that your, your prayers changed somewhat? Did you find that your focus had shifted? Well, this week's passage continues on from that prayer. And it shows us how and why what was achieved by Christ can be received by us. Our reading is from Ephesians chapter 2. We're going from verse 1 through to verse 10. So if you've got your Bibles there, please open them with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're beginning at verse 1 and going to verse 10. This is the word of the Lord. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I wonder, have you, have you seen the show Lego Masters? It's been going on for the past couple of years. There's been a bit of a hit In our family home, we'd often gather on the lounge and watch the challenges that were going on. I'm sure it's been a hit across the country if the the ratings were anything to go off. It has certainly been a hit throughout Australia. Now, I don't know about you, but I was someone who used Lego while I was young. I remember the first gift I ever received, I can ever remember receiving, was Lego. And what I find fascinating about this show is how the contestants can take ordinary pieces of Lego 
and without any instructions, create masterpieces. You could say that they actually bring Lego to life. The contestants have at their disposal a Lego pit of millions of different pieces. But even these pieces, the ones that seem totally useless, are used and given a new life through a practice called nice parts usage. Those of us in the know abbreviate it to NPU, so feel free to do that if you like. Nice parts usage is is the action of taking something and repurposing it for a new purpose, for a new use. It's where a croissant is taken from the pit and made into a moustache. It's where wings are taken from the pit and made into a set of eyebrows. The pieces of Lego are dead without the Lego master. Only the master can take the pieces of Lego from their pit, bring them to life, and give them a new purpose. When it comes to our lives and the lives of those around us, I would say that we naturally want to see ourselves as playing the role of the Lego master, as having the power and creativity to fix what we believe is wrong in our lives and in the world around us. Which poses the question, how's it going? How are you going in changing what seems to be wrong in your life? How is the world, how's society going at changing what's wrong in the world around us? Our passage today urges us to consider our spiritual state. And it will help us to see that spiritually, we're not the Lego master. We're more like the pieces in the pit. See, friends, our spiritual state is not measured by our pulse, but it's measured by our position in relation to Jesus. Though we might look alive physically in the way we we walk, we talk, we move, at some point we need to come to the realisation that we are in fact dead spiritually. You might say that we are living death. The uh, only God's power and creativity can make dead people alive. And he does this through Jesus. See, the problem that all humans have is that we are by nature spiritually dead. And what we are, we do. Look with me at verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians 2. Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses in sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the, pa- the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind. In these verses, Paul is saying, you were dead, and what you were, you did. Verse 2 explains that being dead in trespasses and sins is living under the oppression of a spiritual power that, like the air around us, is invisible to the human eye. That, like the air, has power to control our lives. That, like air, is empty and lacks substance. Friends, we do well not to, miss, not to dismiss the power of things that are unseen. Let's look at this through the phrase, the passions of our flesh, which is found in verse 3. I think today a more helpful translation for us might be, as the NIV translates it, the cravings of our flesh. And I think it's, it's helpful for us because we all understand cravings, don't we? And we can all relate to cravings in different levels. Some of us might know them as that feeling, that pain in our stomach when it's about dinner time. Or maybe it's that, that pain in our head when we've just got, gotten up and it's coffee time. For others, cravings describe a deeper, more serious reality. When something that is unseen takes control of our thoughts and our bodies. All you can think about is getting what you crave. And it it affects us. We might get agitated. Maybe your mouth goes dry or actually starts to water. Maybe you start shaking or pacing the floor. Your mind and your body become consumed by what you crave. But friends, we all know, I'm sure, that giving in to our cravings will only see them subside for a time. Cravings will never truly be satisfied. It's like filling a funnel. The emptiness always returns. Whilst the results of our physical cravings might be visible and obvious, the power that drives these cravings remains unseen. And it's the same for our spiritual lives. The power that drives the cravings of the flesh is the spirit of disobedience and death. Those under its power will see evidence of its influence in their spiritual lives. Think about your own life, how you think, maybe how you speak or how you act. Do these things point to a power that brings spiritual life or to a power that brings spiritual death? Friends, what you are, you will do. But though we were spiritually dead, we were not without hope. Because what God is, he does. 
Look with me at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In these couple of verses, we have some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. And the two that kick it off are no exception. But God. Friends, God is not unattached or indifferent to our our deathly state quite the opposite god is intimately invested in humanity and desires what is best for us so being the god who is full of mercy and love he did what was merciful and loving In Jesus, God came and joined us in our deathly state, living not under the power of the spirit of death, but under the power of the spirit that brings life. And dying for humanity, he brought life to humanity. John 3.16, I'm sure you know the verse well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The Apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And what Jesus achieved, those who are in him, Receive. This is grace. We don't do anything to save ourselves. We couldn't. We are by nature living death. So Jesus comes and does what is in his nature to do. He loved us by coming into our world and doing the work that is necessary for us to have life. And then he gives that life to everyone who will accept him. This is grace. In our passage last week, we saw some of what Jesus achieved. What God did through his power in the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus was raised from death to life. That he was seated in the heavenly places, high above the rule of the power of this age. And now, in our passage, this is applied to us. Verse 6 of chapter 2 says that we are now raised up and seated with him. We are with Jesus in the heavenly places. Friends, those who are in Christ Jesus, who have trusted in him for life, have had their nature changed from death to life. They are no longer living death, they are now living life. And what we now are 
we should now do. Look at verses 7 to 10. We are saved so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Christians are not saved to be sloths, but we are saved to show Christ. Christians aren't, therefore, to retreat from a society that is struggling to breathe. We are to be living life in this world that is living death. This will mean for Christians seeking justice for victims while showing mercy and grace for the guilty. This will mean seeking freedom for the oppressed while showing liberty in our love for all people, no matter their cultural background, their race, their class or their creed. The question I assume some of us are asking is what about the bad things that have been done in the name of Christianity over the years? Though we are saved for good works that God has prepared, it doesn't always work out that way. The church has gotten things very wrong over the years and we cannot and should not deny that. Vulnerable people have been oppressed and taken advantage of. Children have been abused. Innocent people have lost their lives. But friends, you don't dismiss an entire sport just because a player drops a catch. You don't dismiss marriage just because for some people it ends in divorce. So please, don't dismiss Jesus because some who claim his name don't live as he did. We need to check Jesus out for ourselves. Christians, we will mess up. But verses 8 to 10 give us the reason to repent of these shortcomings and to try again. These verses show us that it is God who has done the good work that saves us. And God is the one who has prepared the good works that we are now to walk in. Friends, it is still God's work. It's still God's power in which we are to walk. We just need to accept and follow his lead. But what about when it's hard? What about the Christians who are struggling with temptations and sin? What about the Christian who doesn't feel like they are living life, although they have trusted in Jesus? How is it good news for us? 
your friends. Our passage this morning reminds us that God sees you. That he knows you as you really are. And he knows what you're going through. And he loves you. And he has acted in love on our behalf. If you are struggling with these things at the moment, of struggling to feel like you are living life, of struggling to overcome temptations and sin, then no doubt the good work that God has prepared for you right now is putting those things to death. And we do this in God's power and with our persistence. And as a church, we need to support one another in this. We need to provide emotional support, physical support, and spiritual support. We need to be praying the prayer that we talked about last week. I wonder, how is it going for the world around us? As you look at the TV at your social media, as you listen to what's being said, what appears to be the funnel or the hollow need that those around you are trying to fill. Maybe they, are, they see a lack of justice and so they're trying to dispense their own. Maybe it's a lack of hope that they see. And they're trying to conjure up their own hope in what seems to be a hopeless world. Maybe they're thinking, if only we could get rid of all the bad stuff around us, well then this would be a good place to live in. Then we could be living life. Humans, the problem is not around us. The problem is within us. And the solution to our problem cannot come from within us. It must come from outside of us. The solution is Jesus making dead people alive. Without Jesus, we're all just death standing upright. But for us Christians... Our answer to people must be more than just, you need Jesus. We also need to show Jesus to them as well. That's the good works that God has prepared for us. Walk in them. We need to show our world the mercy of Jesus, the grace of Jesus and the love of Jesus in the way we live, in the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we think. We need to show our world the reality of lives lived together with Jesus. The challenge for us now, friends, the challenge for us this week, is how is that going to affect our lives? Well, first, maybe you could ask yourself, is the stuff you're thinking about, is what you're saying, what you're doing, Is it showing a living life or does it point to a living death? Maybe you could chat about it with your husband or your wife or your your parents 
your children. Maybe you could talk about it in your connect groups during the week. Ask them what they think. Another question we should pose is what are the opportunities being presented to us where we work, where we study and where we live? How might we show the people around us the reality of a living life? To do this, you might seek to listen what people are saying and try to really understand what's really going on deep down below the surface rather than just listening and waiting for the opportunity for you to jump in and give your opinion on the matter. Maybe you could show love for someone based on Jesus' love rather than just on your preferences or your own comfortable living. Maybe there are opportunities that you could see to be generous to someone, not expecting anything in return. There's a challenge in this for all of us, friends. But there will be some of us watching and listening today for whom this message has shown that you are without Jesus, that you are just death standing upright. Or maybe that despite all your hard work, you are ultimately just trying to fill a funnel. If that is you, I encourage you to consider two things seriously. First thing is, where will this living death lead you? Where will it take you? What's its end? The second thing I'd encourage you to consider is to consider the God that Jesus reveals. To do these things, maybe you want to reread the passage we looked at today in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. Or maybe you'd like to get open the book of John, of his gospel. That will speak about who Jesus is. Friends, we need to do this today. Because in Jesus... God makes dead people alive. Let me pray. Our loving Father, we confess that all too often we as your people have, we know these words well. We know some of these verses off by heart. But sometimes we fail to have them soak in. Lord, that is your work. And we ask that your spirit will help us to see the great love with which you have loved us. Help us to understand and recognize that without you, we are just death standing upright. But don't let us stop there. Please, we ask that by your spirit, you'll help us to see our Lord Jesus Christ and help us to know the grace that he offers for us. As we go throughout our week, Lord, we pray that we will be challenged. Give us eyes to see the opportunities in front of us and give us the the courage and humility 
to allow your spirit to examine our lives and to act as we are prompted. I pray these things for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.